The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. The hump on the down slope, and here we go. It's Thursday on Fantasy NBA Today. I am Dan Bespris, your host, and this is, of course, an Hawaiian Isles Kona coffee presentation, and from the good people, myself included, of HoopBall. Hoop-Ball.com is the website. Check out that premium subscription. Click on the premium tab at Hoop-Ball.com. Check it out. Use promo code Doc, I think it's got two more days on that thing before it runs out. Three fifty off the listed price. Follow me on Twitter at Dan Vespers. Do rate and review the podcast. Drop us that five star review. We'll love you forever and ever and ever and ever. iTunes in particular is the one that really makes the big difference. Please, 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 and thank you as always for tuning in. Pretty normal day here on the show. We've got uh, a medium-sized Wednesday card to cover. We've got the Thursday six-gamer to preview. This is one of those weeks where the NBA schedule makers like to spread them all out a little bit. And uh, then we'll get you set kind of for the last show of the week. Remind everybody what's going on on Friday. I've said it before. I've said it again. I'll say it a thousand times. I do think today's show might be just a minute or two shorter. And I know that that's not going to be true as soon as we get into this thing. So let's dive right into the Wednesday results. We'll start on that front, get uh, all that stuff out of the way. That way, if you guys were kind of thinking about making a move going into your Thursday morning, we'll try to get this pod out actually in the middle of the night too. That'll be uh, a little side bonus for you guys. I know there was clamoring on the interwebs to get this thing released earlier on days where I record the night before. And I think... Barring any colossal injury news that happens after I finish the show, please don't let that be a thing. Uh, we should be able to get this thing out super duper early on Thursday. Anyway, Memphis at Charlotte. That's where we started off. Battle of the Bulge here. Memphis wins at the Hornets. Terry Rozier finally had himself a good ball game, which was a long time coming. That floats his value a little bit. It had been... And I will say, likely will continue to be kind of a tough fantasy season for Terry Rozier. It's just not really... It's, he's, not, he's not built for this thing. It's massive volume stuff. He, he came into this ballgame outside the top 140. Obviously, this is going to bump him up a little bit. But the field goal percent has been rough. The turnovers are high. The steals have been generally low prior to this one. This is your sell-high opportunity. Nice to see Miles Bridges put up a good game. Uh, he had been putting through kind of a, a clunky fantasy season as well. If you can believe this, Miles Bridges is actually ranked lower than his brother, Michael Bridges, who plays almost not at all for Phoenix right now. But Miles has done nothing on defense. He's channeled the inner spirit of, of Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Wake up, dude. Get some blocks and steals. Malik Monk filling in. I mean, he didn't start, but he did fill in from a minutes perspective uh, in this ballgame. Devontae Graham got the start and had 19 points and four assists. Seems like he's actually more comfortable coming in off the bench and going nuts there. Dwayne Bacon missed the ballgame. Cody Zeller got to play a whole bunch because Memphis is big, and he played well. So matchup, 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 that's when things work out for him. 
All of that to say my outlook on the Memphis stuff, or on the uh, Charlotte side, doesn't change very much. Over on that Memphis side, uh, Jonas Valanciunas was very, very good in his 23 minutes. That's a number that's bouncing around a little bit and probably will continue to just based on matchups and kind of night of the week. But he looked really good when he was on the floor. 18-13-2, a block, uh, very good free field goal percent. This is the type of stuff you were hoping for. And frankly, I know everybody's going to be like, oh, 23 minutes. But remember, he was inside the top 90 in 19 minutes with Toronto. So we don't need him to play 30. And in fact, when he's out there for 30, he tends to sort of go easy for parts of it. I'd rather he just dunk on everybody for 24 minutes a game uh, and put up these types of lines. This is great. I mean, there's a top 50 line right here. I don't know what the three turnovers are about, but listen, you ain't going to argue with it. John Morant was solid. Uh, Dylan Brooks was pretty good. He's been sort of bouncing in and out of fantasy relevant over the last week or two. And currently, he sits basically right on the top 100 mark. So if you desperately need scoring, that's about what he does. Not really my cup of tea, but you know, I'd be, might be trying to round out your team a little bit. Uh, two decent ball games in a row for Jaron Jackson Jr. Low usage, which is okay, but points, rebounds, some threes. This is like the aging Serge Ibaka line. I have no idea who Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to be this season, but he is at least starting to show signs of improvement. That, I think you could even call three in a row for good ones. You know, he had 23, 24, and now 16 points. He's hit 10 threes. He's shooting the ball well. But the one downside here, he only has three blocks over those three games. So you'd love to see that defensive stuff come up. I don't think he's getting anywhere near his ADP. But you also probably can't buy low on him, as we talked about on yesterday's podcast. So he's just going to hang out where he was. And Jay Crowder, who I was sort of keeping one eye on because he was just playing gigantic minutes, did play gigantic minutes and did absolutely nothing. I don't, I don't think that he has the fantasy stat set to warrant a pickup. Philly, without Joel Embiid, this is not an injured star theory game, by the way, when it's sort of like a planned load management type of deal. It doesn't really work the same way. This was kind of a game Philly went in and thought, eh, we could just lose it and it doesn't matter. Josh Richardson played well. Ben Simmons played well. Kylo Quinn actually played pretty well in 15 minutes off the bench in this game. Al Horford shot the ball terribly. Give credit to Nick Vucevic. He was very good defensively in this one. And then Tobias Harris is hucking bricks these days, but he did have 10 boards, 6 assists, 2 steals, and a block, so his game didn't turn out all that bad after all. He Rajan Rondoed his way through this ballgame. He'll be fine. I love Tobias. He'll be fine. Just a little mini shooting slump. He'll come out of it, and he'll shoot the hell out for a little bit. Uh, Aaron Gordon had a rare good ball game. Shot the ball terribly, but did rebound and pass well. Vooch is good, and his buy low window is basically done. DJ Augustine once again outplayed Markel Fultz. So if I, I swear if I hear one more person tell me I need to pick up Markel Fultz, I'm going to lose my mind. Jonathan Isaac was human. Still good, actually. Five out of nine shooting. Uh, did have a block. So it was like, that's, that's a pretty, worst, bad, pretty good worst game of the year. Uh, and Terrence Ross got 26 minutes in this one. So this is, to me, the indicator that we were waiting for. Al Farouk Amino almost didn't play. He was the guy who actually suffered a little bit minutes-wise in this ballgame. I'm sure there will be days where the matchups don't warrant it quite as much. Uh, but Terrence Ross has not looked totally right. Took those games off to get his knee corrected. And he's looked pretty good the last two. 25 points, five threes, three steals over those two games. It's still not quite where we want him to be overall. 
But I'm actually heartened by the fact that he didn't even shoot the ball that great in this game. So there, there was actually room for improvement, and he could start hitting two to three threes a game again. It's a little bit of a specialist type of guy, but if you have that spot at the end of your roster and you need threes, he's a guy that can get them for you. He's not the only guy that we're going to cover on this Wednesday evening card that could be a good fit if you need three-pointers. There's probably a better option later on in the evening games. Uh, but Ross is among the okay guys. He's he's the end-of-your-roster guy that we always talk about, the 10th man that you can plug in there and actually get something okay. So I added him in a couple of spots. I'm okay with you guys doing it too, but you have to be, you know, these are leagues where I need a little bit of shooting. I need some scoring. I need some threes. I don't really need the steals, but I'm not going to argue with him. And that makes sense. All right? All right. I'll get to the other guy later on. We'll, we'll loop this thing around best we can. Washington falls in Boston 140 to 133. That's a fun one. Isaiah Thomas had 18 and 7 in his return to the Garden. Three three pointers. Seven out of 14 shooting made his one free throw. I don't, I, I didn't watch, but maybe it might have been a technical. Uh, Bradley Beal had 44. So, so long by low window on that dude. Rui Hachimura had 21 and actually got a steal in this ballgame. But again, his fantasy lines are a little empty. Davis, 9 and 10. This is pretty good, actually. He hit three three pointers. Thomas Bryant was okay, as usual, like decent enough. And then everybody, I, I, people are still trying to sell me on Troy Brown Jr. And I keep watching him like something amazing is going to happen. He's a really, really low usage guy. If you're that low usage, you better be getting a ton of defensive stats or threes, and he doesn't. So I'm not in on that one yet. I can be convinced. I'm not going to put my foot down and say it can't happen, uh, but I don't think it will. I, I don't think that's, I, it doesn't feel like it's in the cards. I don't care about Rui. He's way overowned in standard leagues. Uh, Davis is your better option there. And IT played 33 minutes, by the way. That's another thing worth mentioning. He has ramped up now to starters minutes. These 18 and 7 games are not going to be that crazy going forward. You only got 14 shots, second most on the team, led the team in assists. I think there's a very real chance that he just sort of cruises along at something like a top 75 clip. That's a hell of a pickup. It's not Tristan Thompson good, but we'll take it. Boston side, lots to go around when you score 140 points. Uh, Jason Tatum, 23. Jalen Brown, 22. Cantor, 13 and 9 in 25 minutes. Marcus Smart, 17. Kemba Walker, 25. Uh, no Robert Williams. He sat this one out. Daniel Tice also sat this one out, if I'm not mistaken. I think they were both hurt for this ballgame. Um, so obviously they needed more out of Cantor. This is more than enough for Ennis to be on a fantasy team. So he's... Uh, probably already on teams in your league, but if not, he's obviously an ad. We wait for this whole thing to shake itself out. I think when all three centers are healthy, they might you might get nothing out of everybody. Uh, but they weren't in this one, and so when that's the case, it's a pretty easy job to pick and choose. Clippers in Houston. They weren't very good. Shot 39%. Kawhi Leonard's field goal percent is down this year. Makes you wonder if there really is something going on with that leg, and that worries me a tiny bit. But they don't really have the luxury of shutting him down. Not if they want a decent seed in the Western Conference. Michael Green was good. 14 and 14. Two steals and a block. Good luck if you can figure out the day that that's going to happen. And then Lou Williams had 20 and 7 on terrible shooting. Montrezl Harrell completely got shut down in this ballgame. 
uh, his former team, Clint Capella, did a great job on him in 31 minutes, although knocked his head in the fourth, I think, and so he's questionable. No Daniel House. Uh, surprised that that actually didn't impact Houston more, but James Harden had 47 in this ballgame, got to the free throw line constantly. I didn't watch this game live, I'll admit. I knew it was going to be a fun one, but I wasn't that interested in the fantasy stuff. So if you guys are out there, you can tell me who was on Harden most of this game. Was it Kawhi? Because he didn't slow him down at all. Uh, I still like P.J. Tucker's line, by the way. Six and three, two steals a block, and two three-pointers. That's lovely. No turnovers. My nine-cat hero. My knight in shining armor on a great white steed. Oh, PJ. Where were you, Daniel? We miss you. The Avica Zubats thing just keeps slipping back and forth from good game to this type of thing. I know that he's hovering right on the fringe of standard league useful, but I just I can't believe that that needle sits on the right side when all of this is over. Nothing changes. That's the report on this ballgame. San Antonio kind of sucks. Uh, sorry, Spurs. I mean, usually I do the whole trust in pop thing, but LaMarcus Aldridge, DeMar DeRozan actually both shot the ball well in this ballgame, and they still got punked by the Andrew Wiggins-led Minnesota Timberwolves, who are just a hucking three-pointers right now. When they're hot, they're going to beat you. Cat had a good game. Wiggins was fantastic. Jeff Teague was back, came off the bench for 23 minutes, put up a nice line. Jared Culver continued to start, although I have to think that that probably flips back at some point soon. But uh, Culver's looked pretty good. And Rob Covington was only okay. Travion Graham is sort of a nothing. Doesn't really care what's going on with that situation. Um, Andrew Wiggins, man, I, I don't I don't know where it all came from, but he's he has embraced analytics, and he is a standard league guy for sure this year. Probably settles back a round or two from where he's at right now, but uh, kudos. Again, if you drafted him because you had ultimate faith, you're you're fantastic. If you drafted him sort of by accident and thought, ah, whatever, he's, you know, who the hell else am I going to draft at 115? And you got a little lucky? That's okay, too. Either way, working out for you. On the Spurs side... DeJounte Murray played 21 minutes and 55 seconds. Derek White played 24 minutes and 32 seconds. That's not even all 48 at the point guard spot. They were getting blown out, so that sort of explains the rest of it. But this is, and continues to be, one of the most frustrating and annoying messes in the NBA. How those two guys can't get on the floor at the same time. At some point, they're going to get tired of getting their butts kicked and get their best players out there all at the same time. Uh, but right now, Greg Popovich is insisting that uh, Bryn Forbes and Patty Mills have to be chewing up 44 minutes a night between the two of them. There is just no way that those two guys should be playing over Derek White. But here we are. It, it, this is almost like a lesson being taught. I know there's no spacing. Aldridge can't shoot the three. DeRozan can't shoot the three. Derek White doesn't really shoot the three. Murray doesn't shoot the three. They don't have any shooting on this team outside of Mills and Forbes. So you sort of get it from that perspective, spacing, spacing, spacing. But they're sacrificing a lot. I got to think the Spurs think about trying to trade one of those two guys or just decide not to re-sign one of them. But if that's the case, then they should have traded him anyway. I hate it. And you can probably drop Derek White until further notice. I'm stashing him in a couple of spots, but I don't even really know why at this point. Like, what am I doing? 
Why am I sitting on him all this time? What, what's it going to do for me? Anything at all? Nah. I think you can use that roster spot for somebody else. Uh, it's got to be somebody with a little bit of upside, though. So, you know, don't just uh, kick him to the curb for a streaming slot or something like that, because at some point you might regret it. But, I mean, he looked... <sighs> he looked fine in the minutes he got. <laughs> what good does it do us? The Lakers hosted the Golden State Warriors. No Anthony Davis is resting after hurting his rib cage in a tougher game against the Phoenix Suns. He'll be fine for the next one, I would presume. No Rajon Rondo as he works his way back. I said he was sort of a speculative ad, and then I looked at his numbers after I finished yesterday's podcast again. I don't fully regret the decision that I made on air to say that he is a spec ad for the end of your bench. But he's definitely not a must-spec ad, if that makes any sense. Rajon Rondo averaged almost 30 minutes a game last year and sat around like 9, 6, and 8. And, yeah, the 8 assists were nice, but it was pretty bad overall in almost 30 minutes. Some of that was without LeBron James. I mean, some of that when he was just, like, going bananas. Nine points, five boards, eight assists, and a steal, and a three-pointer on 40% from the field. It's not enough. The percentages drag him outside the top 100. The high turnovers drag him outside the top 100 in nine cat, and he's not going to be doing as much this year as he did last year. You know, you're looking probably more at, like, what he did in New Orleans, which was eight and eight with a steal and less than a three-pointer. That's specialist territory. Or even Chicago, eight and seven. And he's older. So take that and then age it. So I think I might rescind my speculative ad from yesterday and call him, eh, someone that other people are going to pick up unnecessarily. How this dude is 29% owned is just beyond me. There's, There's no reasonable format where someone should be like I'm excited about Rajon Rondo and certainly not that many leagues or deep ones JaVale McGee looked good in this game for LA kind of figured he would with no Anthony Davis so they needed the length a little bit more and AD who plays about 10 to 12 center minutes most games those you figured would get split up between McGee and Dwight Howard and they would end up playing about all well all 48 between the two of them so you know 22 minutes for one 26 for the other 24 apiece whatever you want to call it uh, and so, yeah, obviously that was better, but I don't, I mean, you're going to see Anthony Davis back. All it does is tell us, yeah, if AD ever skips another one, you could stream JaVale McGee and you'd be in pretty good shape. For the Warriors, it's, you know, your daily roll of the dice. Aside from D'Angelo Russell, of course, who's, uh, Going to do plenty here over this next little stretch. Glenn Robinson the third looked better in this ball game. I mean, at this point, you're just pulling names out of a hat. Is it going to be Eric Pascal? Meh. Is it going to be Alec Burks? Nah. Is it going to be Glenn Robinson? You win. It's stupid. I, I'm not. I'm not doing it. I'm not chasing these guys right now. I'm not chasing. It's not worth my time to try to pick up and drop whichever guy is going to be good in the next ball game. Willie Cauley Stein, I think, does still have the nicest path to get to value. 
of these guys because, as we've said before, it's just sort of easier to get big man stats. So he's a guy I think you could make a pretty good argument to own beyond D'Angelo Russell and Draymond Green. Um, but I'm not buying into Glenn Robinson long-term. I'm not buying into Pascal. I've said it before. I'm not buying into Alec Burks. Toronto and Portland, and this is the site of the other name that I was going to bring up, uh, and it's on the Portland side. For Toronto, no OG Ananobi, so we got a very high minute count from Terrence Davis in this game. I don't think that's something you really want to hang your hat on for the next one, even if Ananobi misses it. Freddie Van Fleet, Pascal Siakam, you kind of have to play Marcus Gasol now because everybody else is dead. Norman Powell was a safe bet to play a ton of minutes, but just didn't get anything to drop in this ball game. I mean, neither did Damian Lillard. So, well, I mean, you know, not as much as usual. Uh, and then Chris Boucher, again, shout out my boy, Peter Hollins for setting in a video of the pronunciation. I don't have to call him CB anymore. Uh, Boucher was held in check in this ball game or certainly more so good energy guy. Um, but I mean, we had to, I'm, I'm more than willing to keep trotting him out there to see what happens, but we also sort of have to know that as a young guy just going all hustle off the bench, it's not going to be pretty every game. The name that I wanted to bring up is over on the Portland side, and that's Rodney Hood, who misses plenty of time. So he's a tough sell in head-to-head formats, a very tough sell, because he's always out with something, a knee issue, a thigh issue, a back issue. This was the back, by the way. If you had back, you uh, your square wins. But he's back from the back. And he was great. And so when we're talking about guys that you might pick up for some three balls, I would prefer Rodney Hood over Terrence Ross, which I know probably puts me in the minority on this one. And we're not really getting into guys that have a, a whole lot of upside. You know, this is not upside chasing. And Rodney Hood is outside the top 130 on the year. A lot of that is because of games he left due to injury. You know, he played 30 minutes in that game against the Clippers with the injury, didn't do anything with them, played six minutes and then left the next one. So you factor in a 0.1 rebound game into all of his other stuff. Without that, he probably sits right around the edge of the top 100. And without that, obviously, the three-pointers are a lot higher. Because to start the year, he was sitting on two, two, three, one, two, four. He was shooting the ball relatively well. He's a good foul shooter, so that's actually going to sit possibly even a little bit higher than it is right now. And I'm cool with it, because he's playing 30 minutes a game. This would be, if it continued... The highest since 2015 for Hood in minutes per game. That was his second season in the league when everybody was like, Rodney Hood, he's going to be great. And then somewhere along there, they were like, okay, Rodney Hood, he's going to be fine. And it all dialed back to like 25 to 26 minutes a game. Uh, he did play 27 minutes a couple years ago for part of the year. His opportunity was actually okay that season. I don't know why he wasn't taking that many three balls. It was sort of weird. That was, I think that was, uh, geez, was that in Cleveland last year? Yeah, that was the the post blow up in Cleveland where nobody cared about anything going on. Previous year in Utah, he took 14 shots a game. I mean, if he could get back up to that number this year, then he'd definitely be worth using. He scored almost 17 points a night. I don't see him getting to 14 shots a game. Uh, he hasn't even taken 14 shots in a single game this season. But again, 
you you wipe out the games that blew the average up, the one where he played hurt and the one where he exited hurt. He took five and zero in those two games. So if you pull out two games right now, I mean, he's played in 10 after this one. So prior to that, he had played in eight. And then you're talking about a guy who took 10, 8, 12, 7, 10, 11, 8, and 12. That's much closer to 10 shots a game. That's much closer to, you know, what he was doing, like, say, in Utah way back. 12, 13 points, two three-pointers. And he's on the floor long enough now to fall into a steal per game. So you're really talking about a 10th guy type of deal. Where Terrence Ross has the edge is he's probably going to get more defensive stats than Rodney Hood. Where Hood has the edge is he's just going to be out on the floor longer and have more opportunity to get hot. At the end of the day, their numbers are probably going to be almost the same. Here we are ranting and raving about both of them. If you have multiple spots, you could pick up both of them and just see what the hell happens. I don't think I'd do that. I mean, why use two spots on guys that are low upside dudes. But, I mean, if you're in, a, like, a deeper league, it actually makes a lot of sense to mess around with guys like that. They fill out your roster nicely. Top 100, top 110 type of guys. You can't have all top 50 dudes on, like, a 16-player roster. Not if you're in any competitive league, at least. So those guys are on the map. Um, Kent Bazemore, that kind of takes him back off the map. This came out of nowhere, man. I was watching the news all day, and then all of a sudden, Rodney Hood was just playing. Whatever. Rather him be back than gone, I suppose. Okay, that's your Wednesday stuff. Let's turn the page and look at Thursday. It's a, a more active Thursday than usual. Miami is in Cleveland. Heat are favored by four and a half on the road. Clippers on the back-to-back in New Orleans. We are continuing to wait on the status of Kawhi Leonard. I would assume he's out. It's a back-to-back, so I don't know why anything would change. You know, it's not like the team is in jeopardy of anything right now. They haven't been playing quite as well. But they still sit at 7-4. and four. That's the 5 seed in the Western Conference. I guess you really can't screw around out West. But with Paul George set to come back here any day, I don't think they're too worried about it. I think if they really had to, they'll play him a couple of games in a row down the stretch. But there's just no reason to blow that plan up this early in the season. And, you know, 7-4 and four is not bad. In any event, I would assume he's gone. Dallas is in New York. Mavericks favored by seven on the road. This is, believe it or not, a revenge game for the Mavs. They lost to the Knicks last week. That was stupid. Chicago is in Milwaukee. Bucks favored by 11 and a half. Atlanta visiting the Phoenix Suns. The upstart Phoenix Suns who've been playing really well. They're favored by seven over the Hawks who just beat the Nuggets. And the Nuggets actually are the night game. On Thursday, they're hosting the Brooklyn Nets. At altitude, Denver favored by eight points. A lot of big spreads on this one. Again, once we even get that Clippers line, that'll probably be somewhere between, ah, geez, I would assume maybe about, that's the back-to-back. So it might be by uh, about three. Clippers by three. That'll be a tempting line. And you're like, Dan, that doesn't make any sense. Clippers are way more than a three-point. They're so much better than three points better than New Orleans. Yeah, they sure are. Uh, But a three-point spread on the road Without the back-to-back, it would be 5. Without the road venue, it'd be 8 on a neutral site, and it'd be 11 if they were at home. Is that what you think they'd be at home? Maybe a little higher. Four, uh, 12? Without Kawhi, also. Would it be 12 at home? Would it be 11 at home without Kawhi? That seems pretty reasonable. 10 or 11? 
So wipe eight off of that. Clippers, I think, will be a couple points favored on the road. Not much. We'll see how that we'll see how close I get on that one. It's it's a just sort of ballparking it. Uh, you know me from the gambling perspective. If I'm doing anything, it's going to be revenge stuff, and Dallas is the one that really leaps off the page there. And that's the only one. Uh, you could make some arguments for other stuff. And, I, you know, yesterday we were looking at what I thought was a really difficult Wednesday card. I think I mentioned um, that I, I, I kind of liked the uh, Timberwolves, if I'm recalling right. I think I said I liked the Timberwolves. And then a lot of this stuff scared me, like the Orlando one seemed like a reasonable line, less re- reason, unreasonable than people thought. I thought the Clippers would play better with no Daniel House on the Houston side. I think ultimately I'm glad I didn't do anything yesterday. But we've got this revenge one in the mix. New York has looked really horrible. Sometimes a team is so bad that it almost doesn't matter. They're actually worse. Anyway, we shall see. From a fantasy perspective, for Miami, we're just continuing to kind of figure out well, who the heck is going to succeed on any given night? And a lot of it has to do with who's healthy on any given night. And we don't know that yet. Is Justice Winslow going to play? Is Tyler Harrell going to play? If they don't, we had a pretty good read that it's going to be Dragic and none. They'll both be fine. Is Kelly Olynyk the guy? Will he ever move into the starting lineup where they sort of like how things are going? Uh, all of that stuff is still kind of in the air for the Heat at present. Clippers are in uh, the in New Orleans from a fantasy perspective. Not a whole lot to care about on the Clippers side with Kawhi out. Hey, I forgot to tell you guys before we do the Pelicans. Uh, don't forget to sign up for the Bruise Letter. Aaron Brewski's once a week straight to your inbox email only newsletter. Yes, from the founder's mind himself, the great Aaron Brewski, fantasy writer of the year, the whole thing, our founder here at HoopBall. He's writing a newsletter once a week. It's about 10 pages long. It's, I mean, it's a serious thing. He's leaning into it, man. Comes out on Mondays, and you can get it for free by going to hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. And it that's it. You put in your name and your email address, hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. This is why I hesitate to call it the bruise letter on the podcast. That's the name of it, but that's not the website you go to. The website is hoop-ball.com slash newsletter, and you can start getting that thing for free. Super easy. Do it right now. Pause the podcast. Go do it. Okay, Pelican side, I I was still curious about. You know, we're sort of we're keeping watch on Derek Favors. He's been playing much better. This feels like a, a pretty good matchup for him, actually, to try to deal with Montrez Harrell. They're going to need somebody that can bang Ivica Zubats at the beginning of the game. That's a, a good matchup for him. So, you know, I thought Houston was going to be kind of a bad one with the way they space and shoot. And that turned out actually to be totally fine for him. So, you know, maybe I get it completely backwards. Uh, Lonzo Ball, I believe, was expected back tomorrow. But we shall wait and see, I suppose. Um, If he's in, what is that going to do to someone like J.J. Redick, who's finally starting to play a little bit better? Do I trust J.J. enough to start him in in this ballgame? I... (sighs) Yeah, I probably will, even if Lonzo's back... Ingram is the one that that changes things for me. Because Brandon Ingram was taking 85 shots a game, and with him out, that just frees up looks for everybody. And and Lonzo's not a guy that takes a whole lot of shots off the table. So I think the only one for me that matters is, is Brandon Ingram. If he's out, I'm basically starting everybody else because there's just usage to go around now. 
Dallas, we're seeing good games from both Dwight Powell and Maxi Kleba these days, and they should be able to pick on New York. For the Knicks, I just I don't even care. Randall's been terrible. Nilakina looks like your new interesting zero usage, high defensive impact point guard, which is whatever. Marcus Morris somehow is the only New York Nick who's basically rosterable and healthy at the same time. The other one is is certainly Mitchell Robinson, and he's hurt. What a mess, man. They're just they're bad and they're depressing. And someone was like, what about the Bulls? Yeah, they're bad and they're depressing too, but it's not. If I didn't know the Knicks existed, I would definitely say the Bulls were bad and depressing. But they've won two more games than New York. You know, they've won four of their last ten. Right? I don't even know how the Knicks have won two of their last ten. One and three at home, one and six on the road. You know, the Bulls are at least, they've won two games both at home and on the road. The Wizards are way worse than the Bulls, and they're way less depressing, right? But that's a sort of a different thing. Milwaukee is not depressing. They are very good, but no Chris Middleton for a few weeks. They'll be fine. Interested to see who gets the big uptick. Will it be George Hill? Will it be Sterling Brown? Will it be Wesley Matthews? From what we've seen so far this year... Hill has actually been the best fantasy guy, but does this allow him more freedom to do stuff, or does he continue to be kind of a lower-usage, high-efficiency guy? In which case, then he stays right where he was, and does it move someone else kind of ahead of the other guys? So that's worth paying attention to. For Atlanta, if Kevin Herter has to miss this thing, I mean, they're legitimately down to only two guys that can do anything at all. Phoenix, we've got them pretty well figured out at this point. I, I, there was a, a brief stretch there where I was keeping an eye on Mikael Bridges, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen for him, at least not early this season. You can go ahead and throw that one away if you hadn't already. I mean, he was a watch list guy for me, so I, I don't think he was on too many teams anyway. But otherwise, this team is fairly predictable. Uh, Brooklyn, probably no Karis Levert again. It sounds like he's going to miss a little bit of time here, so you know we'll see. There is a big center on the other side. Does that mean we see more DeAndre Jordan? We might. I mean, you might you might be looking at matchup stuff with this team. I, I don't this is this is a, a weird cockeyed roster without Kevin Durant. And we're seeing a lot of kind of regression from last year where the Nets they went young, they made a big step forward. I'm fairly certain I faded them this year. Now I gotta look it up while we're on air, because I don't want to say something that isn't true. Clicking through folders to find Dan's season win totals. Didn't bother to hit pause on the podcast. I figured I could just find it really fast. And yep, under 45 and a half. I, I just, and I even wrote in my write-up on this. I, 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 we talked about this with Neil on a podcast like three months ago. I feel like they got worse, I wrote. Or we could lean into the idea of just maintaining. They have redundancies. DeAndre and Jared Allen. I mean, I'm not sure that Ed Davis is... Not better than DeAndre Jordan these days. Uh, the development has stopped. I thought the the Dinwiddie, Levert, Kyrie backcourt actually was a bit of a logjam. I thought losing Jared Dudley as a locker room guy was a bad thing. There was just way too much hype with all the stuff that they did this offseason, and so I went hard on the under. And uh, so far, it doesn't look that crazy. You know, they're, they're over, what was the mark here, 45 and a half? Yeah. They're in trouble, man. If they lose this game to Denver, they sit at 4 and 7. In 11 games, I know it's a long way to go, but I am 
I'm not bullish on the Nets this year. And then Denver, who got beat by Atlanta, I have to think that that undressing may wake them up a little bit. But I just I don't like the way they've been playing this season. They look somewhat disinterested. Will Barton looks like the guy who cares the most on the team. You still got buy low opportunities for Nikola Jokic, which is great. You should uh, take them because he's going to be better than he has been so far this year. But this is exactly what we were talking about in the offseason. Jokic, by the way, is ranked number 42 in nine cap right now. He's basically down across the board. Uh, this is what we were talking about in the offseason as a team that accomplished their in-season goals last year. Their total was only set at 50 and a half this season, and I still bet the under, which sounds dumb, and it might end up not hitting, but tell me you haven't watched this team and thought they should not be 7-3 and three right now. Like, they're getting away with it. And a couple of losses are going to hit them in the face. In this Western Conference, everybody settles in around them. They got to be careful, man. They're playing with fire with the with the performances they're putting forth so far. Again, thanks so much for uh, for checking out the bruise letter. That's that's the thing that we really want to get out there this week. Hey, I uh, wanted to mention again, we may have a couple of openings on the podcast side. As again, these are contributor roles, so please do hit me up at Dan Vespers, D A N. B-E-S-B-R-I-S on Twitter or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com is the email address. So uh, shoot us a note there if you want to get involved over here at HoopBall. Become a contributor. We're still looking for you. Again, at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. I did it, guys. I promised you a slightly shorter show on this Thursday, and I accomplished it. I didn't get into some insane rant. They're just... This is... This is going to happen from time to time where we're going to run into a day or even a week where things are just the status quo, and that's okay. A lot of holds, a lot of maintains, and, you know, yesterday on Wednesday, by the way, if you didn't listen to yesterday's podcast, you got to check out the first half hour with my guy Brandon Marcus. We got into some pretty deep buy low, sell high stuff, some really good targets. When there aren't a ton of free agents popping up and going away, what you're going to see is a lot of other teams in your league that are making moves for the sake of making moves. And that's going to hurt them. They're going to put some dude out on waivers that they're going to wish they had back. And you're going to be able to snap them up. So that's what you should be doing when things are sort of chill, like they are right now. When things are mellow, watch for someone else to make an idiotic mistake and pounce on it. Maybe that's my one little rant for the day. Let somebody else make the mistake. You work on coming up with some trades. Find some buy lows. Go see if you can get them. Buy, find some sell highs on your own team. See what you can turn them into. Those opportunities are out there in a big way. And instead of worrying about who's flopping on and off of your team right now, because Lord knows we could all be putting Rodney Hood on and off of our basketball teams, or we could be adding and dropping Terrence Ross repeatedly. Those are the two guys I talked about as really interesting fantasy guys today. I mean, blech, right? (laughs) That's not very good. That's not an exciting crop. Take that time that you would have spent just, just pouring over these weirdos and go try to make a trade. Make something happen, man. Go nuts. And have a lovely Thursday. More games than your usual TNT slate. We'll wrap things up tomorrow. Finish up the week here on Fantasy NBA Today. Uh, We will, of course, do what we've been doing, which is 
Fridays, we'll go through all of the pickups, all of the drops, all of the holds, and all of the watch lists for the entire five-day week, Monday, Tuesday, well, four-day, I guess. It's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. We'll profile Friday, Saturdays, and Sunday's games, what to watch for for all 30 teams over the weekend. And uh, that'll get you set for all of that. And obviously, we'll do the betting stuff during that uh, that time as well. So Friday shows now has become uh, basically a full weekend mega preview. I hope you guys have been enjoying that. I, I love feedback, by the way. If you like what we're doing with Fridays to sort of get you ready for the whole weekend, and then Mondays we kind of loop back and review what happened over the weekend, that's another cool way. I mean, I, I, I'm trying to find a nice way to sort of tie all that stuff together. And I think that's been it. But anyway, you guys don't mean to me to lecture you about what I'm thinking here at the end of the podcast. If you got some thoughts on the way those things are structured, hit me up on Twitter at Dan Bespris. And again, please do rate and review the show. Subscribe to the newsletter, hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. Hit me up if you want to be a contributor and check out the HoopBall Premium Membership. And that's all the stuff for today. Have a wonderful Thursday. We'll talk to you tomorrow, everybody. So long. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.